welcome to the Gerald Davis Overflowing Cup Ministry. God's people are being informed and changed through these anointed revelation truths. Gerald's messages are aimed at helping God's people walk in success for the rest of their lives on earth. This message will help you do just that. I want to talk to you tonight uh, and Sunday night. I'm going to be working on some thoughts under the title, The Greatest Need in the Body of Christ Today. Not the only need. Not the greatest need in the world. The greatest need in the world, of course, is for men to meet Jesus Christ and have him introduced to them. But the greatest need in the body of Christ today is what I want to talk to you about for these two sessions that we have scheduled to be with you here. How many of you have ever been in prison? You don't have to hold your hand if you don't like, but lots of you have. And to be confined and restrained from functioning in a normal lifestyle as you would enjoy must be an awesome and undesirable, most undesirable position. What I'm talking about tonight is a form of captivity. It's a form of bondage. It's a form of high restriction to the level that God desires for his people to live on. And it is so limiting and so restricting and yet so natural and so normal for all of us to have functioned in until most of God's people have never really seen the depths of what I want to talk to you about and hopefully I can get this message across to you tonight so that you will begin to hate this form of captivity. And I'm talking about debt and the borrowing lifestyle. I don't think there's anybody here who is in debt and is functioning in the borrowing lifestyle would disagree that it has its restrictions, its limitations, and it's awful costly and it keeps us from functioning at the level that God has in mind for us. God's promise, his dream for us is that we lend and not borrow. I need a better amen. amen. I know this church is Bible readers. I know you believe that God always tells the truth. And God dreams for us far bigger than most of us have ever begun to dream. Most people, in fact, everywhere I go live in a state of hopelessness when it comes to getting out of the debt and borrowing lifestyle. Questions such as, well, preacher, if I, if I decided against that lifestyle, how am I going to buy my car? How am I going to purchase a home? How am I going to have this and do that? And how will I run my business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Borrowing, I want to say at the outset, is not a sin. It is not a sin, but it is classified by God to be a lifestyle under what he called the curse. Now, since you're Bible readers, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about, about references and about, about reading Scripture, but all of you have no doubt read Deuteronomy 28 many, many times. I've heard Pastor John Osteen preach great sermons, that, and he is the one that put my heart into action concerning believing for a level that most of us have never even hoped to get into. We can 
and we will be lenders and not borrowers. And it will happen here in this time when there are borrowers borrowing money. It won't be once we get to heaven because after we get there, there won't be anybody borrowing money anymore. It has to be here for the now. And when God said, when Jesus taught that you'll have a hundredfold now in this time, I submit to you that that included the lending lifestyle and not borrowers. Now, I'm not, Lord, not all of you are going to shout real loud now because we're so well trained on how to borrow and know so little about the lending lifestyle until most of us just can't really get into this. In fact, a lot of folk kind of resent hearing somebody come on with it, but I'm just telling you what God said. Thou shalt lend and not borrow. Can I raise your level to that level at least for a little while just to meditate and think with me for a little bit and see if indeed there is any possibility that you can move out of that lifestyle into the better lifestyle? Well, let me ask a question or two. How many of you would rather collect interest than borrow interest? So we're all on the same page there, amen? How many of you would be rather be sending out some notices instead of receiving those notices? How many of you would rather be the head than to be the tail? Amen? Now I know you Bible readers know that God classified the borrowing lifestyle as the tail lifestyle. He classified the lending lifestyle as the, as the head lifestyle. Why did he do that? It matches Solomon who got his wisdom from God when he said the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. How many of you agree with me that God Almighty, possessor of heaven and earth, wants his children to be above and not beneath in this world? How many of you believe that God can bring us into that if we can get our thinking right? God can do anything if we can stay out of his way. I heard him say one time to me, I'll bless you if you'll stay out of my way. I find out getting in his way mostly has to do with my ignorance. So we must get into what Paul said to Timothy, study and show ourselves what? Approved unto God. So God is able and he can do it and he's going to because God is educating his people in this hour so that we can come into the level that he promised and have the kind of prosperity he had in mind for us and not be fools in the process that causes it to destroy us. Now I want to tell you three things that God has said to me over the period of the last 23 years as a matter of direction for the ministry that he's called me into. I pastored for 19 years and uh, was raised, as Sister Doty said, in a Christian family home. I had uh, my uncle, uh, F.D. Davis, was the superintendent of the whole state of Texas in the Assemblies of God, which is the nomination I was raised in. And uh, he would have family reunions every year, and he would pray over us, and he would uh, see to it that all of us were straight with God by the time we left the family reunion. It got to be known as the annual Davis Revival. And uh, we were kind of known in, our, in, in, in the denomination we were in there as the tribe of Levi. There were so many, 27 preachers of us at one time. But I noticed something. I always had the idea and the concept that as a minister of the gospel, I must stay away from very much money because money will pollute you. Money will destroy your, 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 your vision. It will draw you away from the purpose for which you're called. 
And so I was warned not to set my affection on things below, which of course is what the scripture says, but the application seemed to imply to me things that it did not really mean, which I learned later on. Thank God I've learned that money is not happiness. Money wears a false face. It tells two major lies. It says to you, I'm security. And it also says, I'm happiness. How many of you are with me here? Money is neither security nor happiness. And all of you, when you stop to think about it, will have to give assent to that because you know that a lot of people with lots of money commit suicide. Why? They're not happy yet. I found out that happiness is my relationship with God Almighty. Amen. You can be happy whether you have money or don't have money. So please understand that I'm not teaching you that the greatest need in the body of Christ today is for you to be rich so you can have security and so you can have happiness. Are you staying with me okay? What I am trying to say is that God has chosen a position for us because it puts us in position to get his work done in this world, which is take the gospel to every creature throughout this entire nation and world. And the ungodly are not going to volunteer to do it. The only people that are interested in carrying the gospel and sending the gospel to the world are the believers. And we can't do it if we avoid money. You missed a real good place to shout amen. We cannot do it if we avoid money. So what I need to learn to do, Proverbs, uh, 30, Proverbs 31, 32 says, the prosperity of fools will destroy them. So I made a quality decision. I decided I would rather abandon being a fool and have prosperity than I would to abandon prosperity in preference to remaining a fool. If you abandon being a fool, prosperity will not destroy you. It will not only bless you, but it will bless the kingdom of God and get his message across to the ends of the earth. So debt is a form of captivity. It's a form of bondage. In case you don't know it, statistics will prove it out. 36% of your total income, if you operate on credit cards, automobile loans, and home mortgage, over a lifetime, 36% of your hard-earned money with your talent, your time, and your work will go for interest. All for interest, 36% of it. Uh, take a good example, everybody that has a home, you know that uh, you're paying about three times the amount of the original loan by the time it's paid out. If you run figures on the credit cards and the kind of interest they're charging, it's, it, 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 it makes you so angry until you just want to throw the figures away and just go ahead and keep operating, hoping somehow God will see to it that you keep abreast. It, excuse me, it ain't God's plan for you to be in that kind of captivity. And if you wonder if it really is captivity, how about if we just take the lender's viewpoint on it? I heard on national television here about uh, four months ago, and they reported this on the news. The lenders or the credit card companies are now out to capture the college age. They're using the term themselves. 
And I thought of something Solomon said, Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. In other words, be at least as smart as a bird and don't fly into a net when you know it's waiting for you. You say, well, now, wait a minute, preacher. What else can I do? Well, we haven't got there yet. What I'd like to do, first of all, is make you mad at debt. I'd like to make you so upset and mad at debt and recognize it for what it is and know that it cannot continue on in the body of Christ if we are to move into the level that God had in mind for us and that we be the leaders and directors and the guides across this world. There's not a doubt nor question in my mind, Sister Doty, that God wants his people to be the leaders. Those in charge of money who lend money to others. The most respected, honorable, looked up to people in the world ought to be the people whose God is the Lord. He told us how to live. We know the world system is not working for us because it's got us into that form of captivity. And our sister had a word from God a while ago that was so powerful, I just wanted to run and jump. Turn your back on the world system and pay attention to God and you'll see miracles begin to happen that'll bring you out of the lifestyle that we've all been so well trained to function in. Oh, thank God for the Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Most of us have never seen it because we're not patient enough to wait on him for it. We want everything yesterday. Y'all didn't shout real loud, but I'm still telling the truth, and I know you know it. Plus the 36% that you pay on what I call the big three thieves of our money, credit cards, automobile loans, and home mortgages, 14 cents out of every 24 cents that you pay in taxes goes to pay interest alone on the national debt. Add that 14% that comes out of your taxes to the 36% and half of all our hard-earned money over a lifetime goes for interest. Now, God has made us so many promises, and he's given us instructions and ways and means, but we've overlooked them so often and not paid attention. It just kind of, we read in the scriptures things he says, it just kind of goes over our head because that's not the way we were trained and taught. I well remember coming up under my parents, godly people, now, there's not a man in this world I respect more than I respected my daddy. And I still miss him today. But he taught me how to borrow money. My uncle also, his brother, who was a preacher of the gospel, pastor, helped me and taught me how to borrow money. And it was touted to be the greatest favor you could do for yourself is to develop good credit. He raised the same world I was. And why did they want us to develop good credit? So we could borrow money. And the reason was that you can't make it in this world without borrowing money. Y'all missed a good place to respond and say amen because you know that's the way we've been taught and trained. 
And it was touted to be the greatest privilege you could have was to be able to go borrow money. So because we've been trained to think that way, that's the way we function. In most of our minds, as soon as we think about any item that is a very much at all, very high figure at all, the first thing that comes into our minds is where can I borrow the money? It's not, oh God, I thank you because you will supply all my need according to your riches and glory. I believe you for supernatural miracles. I have learned that if I tithe, you'll rebuke the devil off of my money, and that if I give, you'll give it back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I'm going to sow my seed and believe for a miracle. We don't go at it that way. The first thought that runs into our mind is, how can I borrow and where can I borrow the money? Y'all may, may as well go ahead and shout amen because you know I'm telling the truth. So let me just say to you, if we always think, borrow, we will always go to the bank. If we ever start thinking miracles, we'll go to God. Amen? amen. But our thinking has to change. I think I've said it here before, if you always think like you've always thought, you'll always be like you've always been, so you'll always do like you've always done. Therefore, you'll always have what you've always had. <laughs> Amen. You need, to, you need to get my tape back there titled, Think Like a Lender. There are so many different things that we've not been trained to do. I have a good question for you. I wonder, since we've all been trained to be borrowers and are, and are operating on that level so well until 97% of us across this nation, including the churches, are living in debt. Very, only 3% of God's people everywhere I go all across this nation, everywhere, everywhere I go, I usually take a poll. Did it here last time I was here. As close as it could come, there were about 3% who could raise their hand saying, I owe no man anything but to love him. The body of Christ is functioning exactly like the non-churched and the unreached when it comes to money. The greatest need in the body of Christ today is for us to get our thinking changed on how we're going to function. Blessed is the man who putteth his trust in the Lord and leaneth not upon his own understanding and who putteth not his trust in the arm of flesh, but who puts his trust in the Lord. That's what we were admonished to do by our sister who heard a word from God. And she didn't know how I was going to preach, but she, she set me up. Amen. She just set me up. Praise God. And, and I knew, I knew that God gave that to you to help me attach it to because that's what I'm going to preach to you tonight. The Lord our God shall supply. If he can part water and help three million people go across a Red Sea on dry land, if he can part the water when it's at its highest level a mile beyond its banks, whenever Jordan is overflowed and let them walk across on dry land, if he can take the sting out of fire and the, and the appetite out of a lion's belly, God can supply God can do what he said he would do. Hallelujah. I want to give you a verse of Scripture that I hope you'll never forget. If you have your Bible, look at it. Mark an arrow pointing to this verse on your margin. and Maybe draw a circle around this verse of Scripture. Look up Proverbs chapter 25 and 26. Proverbs 25 and 26. And it says in the King James Version, if you have a different version, it'll read a little bit different, but the essence is the same. It says, the righteous man 
bowing down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. In other words, let me paraphrase that and say it this way, see if it doesn't fit. The righteous man or the child of Almighty God whose heavenly Father possesses heaven and earth owns all the silver and the gold, has supernatural ability to put it anywhere that he wants to in anybody's hands, can even make birds lose their appetite, use them as servants and fly it over your head and drop it on you. Our God, our God, who has made the promise that he shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, has promised us that he will. Those people under that God who paid the price with his sacrificial son and caused him to become poor that we may move into the possession that he promised for us, that person under that God, bowing down to the ungodly, borrowing money from them and paying interest to them, bowing down, let me say it another way, to the world's system and borrowing money from them because they've got it and we don't, and paying them interest because they've got it and we don't, and making them richer while we work harder and do without what we could have had had not God, had not we waited on God or had not God supplied it for us supernaturally. I know you're not going to shout real loud here, but you just might as well listen because I'm just preaching to you a supernatural miracle God that's made promises who can and will, but we just have to get into the thinking that leads us into it. That person bowing down to the world system for the use of their money is a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. In other words, what is wrong with this picture? Now, we're not going to jump from the bottom rung on the ladder to the top rung overnight. Just because you recognize that God can and you hear me preaching this way and you say, well, that preacher really believes that God can do all of this and he can help us and, you know, and do without borrowing money. He really believes that. That doesn't mean we're going to just jump up there overnight. My, my, my effort tonight is to get God's people to recognize that there probably is another way. That if God meant it when he made his promises, what do I need to know in order to move those promises? How many of you know he gave us the gift along with the various gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12? He gave us the gift of the working of miracles. I notice he didn't call it the gift of miracles. He called it the gift of the working of miracles. You get miracles when you work those miracles. You work those miracles by activity and faith in that activity. I'm preaching good. I'm not, you're not amen in that good, but I'm still preaching good. Amen. Now, God's able. Everybody say God's able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that I'm able to ask for. He's able. Not only is he able, he's willing. And fear not, little flock, it's the Father's good pleasure Woo! to give to his children good things. But on whose arm do we lean? You say, preacher, is it wrong for me to go get a house loan? Absolutely not. If you, if you got a house loan, you know, thank God. It's, God is not into us doing without. Uh, you had to have been glad to hear that. God is not into us doing without. Amen? 
it's better to be able to borrow and have some things than it is just do without anything. So thank God you can. But what we need to do is elevate our thinking to the place where we believe there is, the, there is a way to pay it off soon and get out into that zone that God said we could and do it supernaturally. You folk have been taught too well around here that God is supernatural and we can live in a natural world according to the supernatural elements provided for us. Amen. So we're not as them who have no hope. We're not as others who don't know how. We have a God that knows how. He's just looking for us to think in a direction that he can bless us with. Amen. And to move out of that lifestyle. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Now, let me encourage you to know that I'm living according to what I'm preaching. I can stand before you and God knows I have no boasting in my heart because I know where I've come from. And I know what God did. And I know anything I have today is nothing but by the mercies and the grace of God Almighty. But God, through the principles that Pastor John taught us here about how to move and get out of debt and the principles of giving, uh, my wife and I, uh, I mentioned this before, but we, we gave them a horse, and Brother John prophesied in a prayer in the home. Sister Dilda, remember this. Probably he said, in a year and a half, you'll be out of debt. He was wrong. One week before a year and a half was up. God gave us enough money to get us completely out of debt. But Sister Dilda, you probably remember he said, accept your house. So we didn't get the house paid for. We got out every other way except the house. One week before that year and a half. I marked it on my calendar. Believe in the prophet and believe in the prophecy. Socially prosper and be established. Amen. So I went and got my, I marked it on my calendar. You get a word from God. If God nudges you while you're sitting there listening to me preach tonight, and if God says to you, you can do this, you can do this, why don't you just say, I can do this, I can do this. I believe, God, that it shall be even as he told me. I can do this. God has to drop this into your spirit, though. You have to be able to receive it in your spirit. Just hearing it in your ears and getting it in your head doesn't get it done. It's when you see it with your eyes, hear it with your ears, and understand it in your heart that conversion comes. Amen? And God has to drop this down in our spirit and help us see it. So... By the grace and goodness and mercy of God, we stand before you today. My wife and I got out of debt in 1988. That was one year and a half after Brother Sister Osteen stood in our home, and he made that prophetic, gave us that prophetic word after we gave them that horse. So I kept believing God, you know, for the day when we get our home paid for. Well, that has been done. We paid off three and a half years early. God supernaturally provided. And so I stand before you today saying by the grace and mercy of God that I owe no man anything except to love him. I say that God has abundantly provided, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it here if my time holds out. But I want to tell you the three things that God said to me because of what it meant to me and because of what it'll mean to you. In 1975, my wife and I had gotten into a situation financially that I never dreamed. I would ever see. We went all the way through the bottom. I'd gotten into a, a trucking business on the side from our ministry and didn't know what I was doing. Had some people that uh, had made me some agreements and they backed out. 
left me holding, and so I went, wound up way below the bottom in a hole. I didn't want to come out of my house. I didn't want to come out of my bedroom. I did a lot of crying about that time. I wasn't so much crying for myself as I was embarrassed. I was so disappointed. Here I was a preacher of the gospel, pastoring a church, and fell in this kind of mess. I knew how. I knew how to preach as far as preaching. I had had lots of revivals and, you know, good success in those areas. But what I did not know was what caused me to fall into that kind of trap. And I went to God, and for two years I prayed, God, show me what's wrong. Show me how I missed it. Show me. I'd go to missionary conventions, you know, where, where they would teach us, you know, how we were supposed to stay away too, from too much money and yet spend a lot of time and effort raising offerings to send missionaries. So we had two, we had two things that was kind of confusing. You're not supposed to have much money, but we can't get this job done if you don't give. So everybody come in here and give and help us. We'll send these missionaries out. So we kind of lived in conflict that way. And that's what, so I'm praying, God, show me where I've missed it. Show me. Help me understand. i got to see what I haven't seen before. Talk to me, Father. And so one day I was pastoring a church out in Odessa, Texas, and I'd been there for about a year at the time, year and a half, and I began to study for a message on Sunday night I was going to preach on heaven. And, you know, thank God we can, we can talk about the streets of gold and the glory over there where the Lamb is the light and no more light bills to pay. Praise God. No more sorrow, pain, no more trouble, no more dying, crying, no more fear. Oh, thank God when we die, our troubles are over. Amen. How many like to hear preaching on heaven? I've heard some really good, and I love to do it myself. You know, I love to preach. I used to quote the entire chapter of Revelation 21, you know, and just talk about all the glories and how he came back on a white horse on the 19th chapter and quote all of that. Woo, we were going to have a great time preaching on heaven and talking about what we're going to have when we die. <laughs> well, we like to hear that, bless God, because I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, life is tough, and then you die. <laughs> So, you know, a lot of people kind of live in that frame of thinking. Life is rough. And so what we're going to have when we die, we're going to rejoice and talk about that, you know, and swing from the chandelier a little while, you know, and have a great time on Sunday morning talking about heaven. And while I'm sitting there putting my scriptures together and getting all my thoughts lined up and number one, two, and three, and this scripture fits here and that one there and that one up here and this one be better down there and so forth, you know, putting it all together. And suddenly I heard a voice inside of me. I heard the Lord say to me, did you know that those people already know most everything you're going to tell them tomorrow? <laughs> I thought, well, isn't that okay? <laughs> they want to hear this, Lord. It's good for us. We've got troubles and problems here. We, and I heard the Lord speak to me and said, my people already know that when they die, their troubles are over. What my people don't know is how to get from now till dying time, walking in success. And I, I heard him say, why don't you teach them that? And that was in 1977, two years after my problem in 1975. And the whole time I've been praying to God, show me where I've missed it. Now he's telling me to teach his people how to get out of that lifestyle and how to have success in this life, I, I almost laughed out loud. <laughs> I, I thought in my heart, why would he say that to me? He knows I don't know anything. Why would he say that to me? I almost felt like Moses on the backside of the desert, you know, when God said, you go down there, I'm going to deliver him. You tell him I said, and he said, I can't even talk. <laughs> and there I was. 
And I heard the Lord say to me again, when I said that to him, Lord, I don't know myself. I heard the Lord say, because you know you don't know, you're open to learn. And if you'll listen to me, I'll teach you. After that, it was less than one year. I'd never made a missionary trip in my life. Didn't have the money. It was less than one year. My wife and I went around the world together preaching the gospel, got back home, and wasn't one day late on any of the things we had on payments. Never had to pay a late charge from that time until the time we got completely out of debt. I watched God do what he said he would, and I had no guarantee of any income from anybody anywhere. I mean, it was just preaching, you know, and doing what I do, all on the offering basis. Never had an agreement on how much I was going to get. Never knew. Just go and preach and try to be a blessing. Believe God, whatever came in is what we lived on. And I watched God supernaturally do what I, I just talked about until I knew then that I had to do something about preaching the message. Walked in it four years, and when I saw it working so wonderfully, I began to preach it and teach it. And a whole lot of the things I learned just by listening to some of the, some Brother Osteen's messages and uh, and yet the Lord began to deal with me later then about this about this debt lifestyle and about why we're in it and talk to me about how we were going to get out of it now, I'm watching my time it's five minutes till nine and I'm not going to get through but I want to tell you what he said to me in 1991 uh, I'm going to read it to you I was in a hotel room after walking in these things, observing and seeing God do it for me. We had bought some land out here uh, in the Conroe area, had developed our home, and had our horses and six acres out there where we could just have a, a place. And our sons and our, our grandchildren both lived there, their wives and their grandchildren, and we were all there on the same block together. So I was in the hotel in Regina, Canada. I was looking out the window, sitting on the fifth floor, watching it snow. Had service coming up that night, and I got to thinking about these things. That was in 19, the first time he spoke to me was in 1977. Now, after getting completely out of debt, uh, except for our house, and uh, walking in that lifestyle and watching, if we'd have kept a graph, it would have just been gone. If you drew a straight line through it, you had zigs and zags, ups and downs, but if you drew a straight line through it, it would have gone up continually. And that's the kind of life we were into in our finances. And so I was sitting there in my, in my hotel room looking out the window, and I was thinking about my future. I opted out of Social Security back when I was uh, in my early uh, ministry because they allowed us to and I was so strapped for money I just thought well here's one way to save a little and so we did and I had no social security to lean on at this time and I was about well I guess 55 or 6 at the time so I was saying to God now what about my future what am I going to have am, am I still on track here am I teaching what you want me to do am I staying with the program like you told me to uh, is this still what you want me to preach is this still what you want me to share with your people and uh, the Lord dropped this scripture. Uh, I just opened my Bible after praying and talking to the Lord. And these are the scriptures that God gave me. And I think, you'll, I think you'll see how interesting these verses are. It's in Joshua chapter 1, verse 13. God spoke these words, and it, was, it just stood up on the, on the pages as though God was standing there in front of me. These words were originally to, to uh, Joshua from Moses. But these are the words. The Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. 
your wives, your little ones, and your cattle, talking about my kids and everybody around me, my animals, shall remain in the land. In other words, they'll be there. He said, but you shall pass before your brethren armed. I knew by that exactly what he was saying. It was just so clear to me as he read it. The armed meant equipped with the knowledge and the insight that I've given you and the things I've taught you. You'll go before your brethren armed or equipped with this information. And then he said, you'll go to all the mighty men of valor and help them. Instantly, I knew that this would be, these teachings would be confined to people that had a foundation of faith teaching. You cannot be strong in the Lord, be men of valor and winners, unless you walk in faith. Isn't that true? And I, I saw that. I knew instantly that those are the people that I was to direct my, my teaching and my preaching to because it's awful hard. It's kind of tough to take. I noticed even here at Lakewood, some of you folk kind of quiet on some of the things that I projected here. And this didn't just jump up and down, yet there's some of it. You know, you're thinking it over, and, and that's all right. I like it when people think. Somebody said, love me or hate me, just don't ignore me. <laughs> the Lord said, you take it to the mighty men of valor and help them. Now, here is your part. The Lord said, until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he has given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord has prepared for them. How many of you have a dream? How many of you dream big enough to see that everything you own is clear and paid for? You have the home you like. You have the automobiles you like. You got your boat. Amen. You got anything that you could enjoy here on this earth. Amen. And everything is clear and paid for. You owe no man anything but to love him. And you've got several thousands in the bank to live out of and to borrow from if you do decide to make a purchase and then just pay yourself back out of your income following that. And that is what God dreams for his children. Amen. That's exactly where he wants us to be. God wants you to be above and not beneath uh, lender and not a borrower hallelujah the head and not the tail glory to god <laughs> yeah that's what he wants for us so his promise was to me that if i would go across jordan in other words leave my own place and go out and teach this and minister to my brethren that the lord would give them rest just like he had given me and they would also possess the land so folks you got it coming Amen. I know you may not be jumping and shouting too loud on everything I've said, but one thing you've got to agree with, if God wants it for you, you want it too. Amen. It is the high road. It is the best lifestyle, and it's what God has planned for his children now in this time. Hallelujah. Then when we die, we have that life that is to come. Glory to God. Now, here's the promise that he finished it off with to me. You know, because I asked him, well, what about me? What about my future? You know, I, I don't have Social Security to lean on. And you know, now I kind of look at it, and Social Security is not too so secure anymore anyway. <laughs> Just thank God I leaned on him. And he's, but here's what he said to me. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it. So he just let me know that if I'd be faithful and go teach and minister and help my brethren, that I'd come back in the time of my old age and be fat and flourishing and enjoy what God had given to me. Amen? In my older years. In God, we trust. 
The world system will let you down. God has made a promise, and he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Whatsoever he has said, he is able also to bring it to pass. God is going to do it, but we have to start believing him for it. Everybody shout out loud just as a good confession. I believe God, I believe God. that it shall be. I will lend and not have to borrow anymore. The time is at hand. 